Hi fam, and welcome to a Sober Girls podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I have been sober for 11 years, and through that time have been through my own ups and downs, not only with staying sober, but also learning to live life on life's terms. If you are listening to this, then you have previously or are currently struggling and are ready to take certain steps to get better. Alcoholism has affected each of us differently, but we all have the same stories, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. You are ready to make a change in your life, and we are glad to have you here. This community is one of strength, commonality, and inclusion. The only way we stay sober is to help the suffering alcoholic and addict, and I am ready to take you on that journey with me. So let's get started. What is up, fam? Happy Wednesday, and welcome back to part two of Emotional Sobriety. I hope that you had an awesome week. I am recording this on the heels of the other episode. You just don't get to hear it quite yet. So I am excited that we have had the week that we have had. I hope that you have enjoyed last week's episode. I hope that it gave you some perspective. And we are going to use last week's example to go through Dr. Allen's 12 things you should do after you get sober, right? After the booze and the drugs are gone, according to his book. So we're going to talk about those 12 things and we're going to um, use my example from last week on how I could have stayed a little bit more sane. I wasn't insane. We're all insane. It's okay. Just admit that you're insane. It's a lot easier. So yeah, let's go at it. You know, let's let's do this. Welcome to this week. Welcome to the shit show. I hope you're enjoying it. This book by Dr. Berger is so amazing, you guys. I really, I've linked it in the podcast website, and I really want you guys to go and download this book. You can buy it from Hazleton, I think, but I do know that it is online as well. That is where I got it from. And... Oh my God, this gentleman is just so fantastic. So I'm going to try and pack 12 things into what I can in the next 30 minutes, right? So we're going to talk about smart thing number one, which he talks about is know yourself and how to say self, not self-centered. <laughs> don't say, don't say self-centered, huh? for Christ's sake, how to stay centered. Okay, there's a part in the promises that talks about painstaking and vigorous effort. If you want what we have, you'll go through these steps. You know, that's in the, and how it works. So if you want what we have, right, I want what people in emotional sobriety have. And I have been working really, really hard at it. What we originally wanted, right, was relief from the mental obsession with alcohol or other drugs. An absolution for what we had done in our past lives. The tornado and destruction that we had left before. And this is what really, really set the bar for me. During the pandemic, we were doing Zoom meetings. And I had become very complacent about my Zoom meetings. And this was around the time that I met my friends. Just before that, right? So I was leaning on these friends to determine who I was and my self-worth, right? Um, They were the determining factor of who I was. They were the determining factor of everything in my life. They were my higher power. Oh, you guys listen to that. 
yuck. I let other people become the higher power. It's probably an ego boost for them. A little bit shameful for me. But Dr. Berger goes on and he says, once our compulsion to drink or use was lifted and we started to degrees being able to enjoy and have peace of mind, we slacked on our efforts. We quit going to meetings. We decreased our attendance just enough to keep us sober. But we were not in touch with real recovery. We became complacent. Everything around you becomes a mess. We mistakenly treated recovery like it was an event rather than a process. Listen to that. We treated recovery as an event, not a process. I used it as a soapbox, not a program. I'm sober. Look at me. Look at all this amazing stuff that I can do. So what happens when you do this? Well, you begin to experience feelings we don't know how to handle. We either end up compromising our integrity. <gasps> what? Or we developed a severe depression. No. Or crippling anxiety. You don't say. That was me. <laughs> that was me. Whoopsies. And then guess what happens? You end up in a crisis. A crisis of personal limitation a crisis that was created because we stopped growing in our recovery and we stopped working on our recovery we quit climbing and we regressed last week all I talked about was this right here I treated my sobriety like an option I treated my meetings and my program like an event and look what happened to me yes I miss my three friends I do. I miss them. But that's not what this is about. What this is about is that crisis that I created because I did not put principles above personalities. I did not pay attention to my recovery or attend meetings. So you have two options, right? You can either relapse or continue to be a dry drunk because that's where you're at right now. If you're complacent, you're not going to meetings, you're treating everything as an option. You don't really have to do anything but drink or have a dry drunk. And that's not what we're going to do. Okay? We are going to go up from here. You know where you're at now. You know that you're in a crisis. You know that you need to work that program. You know that something has to happen. You have to grow. You have to. Once you've hit your bottom, right? Once you've hit your bottom with drugs and alcohol, what go, what happens? You either die or you get sober. Here you are. You're sober. So let's, let, let's, let's go up from there, okay? We are going to take a path of self-discovery. And that's exactly what Bill Wilson did. He took an emotional inventory. And the, the purpose of making this is a searching and fearless inventory. Just like with our drinking, our hurts, habits, and hangups. But you're going to do it with your emotional sobriety now. Because guess what? The reason that you're drinking is, yes, because of that trauma. Yes, because of that depression. Yes, because of that anxiety. But what you don't know is the reason for that depression. The reason for that anxiety. The reason for those hurts, hangups, and habits. Yeah, you've done your inventory. Yeah, you've made your amends. Yeah, you've you've done all that, taken, you know, your 10th step, your 11th step. Good for you. Good for you. But do you know the real reason that you're hurting? Have you dealt with that? Have you dealt with anger, fear of rejection, indecisiveness, ambivalence, jealousy, 
These are symptoms. Smoke, not the fire, are lack of emotional sobriety. Okay? So we are going to revisit the concept of that false self and true self that I talked about last episode. Dr. Berger actually uses the bonsai tree as an example, and I think it's really kind of cool, right? So I was a bonsai tree, and you can create miniature bonsai trees. Did you know that? Like the bonsai trees that you get at like the plant store people thingies and Walmart and Target and all that, like the the trees. God, I hate outside in nature, you guys. Anyway... Um, the mini trees, they're actually huge, huge trees, but they're pruned down to become miniature. Okay. And even though it's miniature and it's cute and it fits in this little pot, right? That's what I was last year in 2021. I was this cute little bonsai tree. Oh my God. I was so cute. I fit in this little pot and I had my little branches and, you know, I was pruned and I wasn't, (sighs) I was still chunky, but chunky is beautiful. We all need love. Okay, but I was perfect to look at, right? On the onset, I had these amazing friends. I had this awesome marriage. I had things put together. I was this cute little bonsai tree, man. Like, oh, so cute. But that was not my true self. And why wasn't it my true self? Well, a bonsai tree isn't a mini tree, right? A bonsai tree is inhabited in Asia, and they are these huge, beautiful trees. Horticulture, that's the word. Horticulture. All right, found it. Sorry about that. ADD, silver things, shiny things. I get distracted. Anyway, so we're all anxious or hurt in some form, okay? And that usually happens as a child. Remember last episode I talked about how we were immature? We were stuck at where our trauma was. And a lot of us, it's it's childhood. Um, so we developed an image of how we should be in order for the world to love us you know, the set of rules, and it makes us perfect. And that, that set of rules made us bonsai trees. And I remembered that when I made these friends, that I had to be a bonsai tree, right? I was this big bonsai tree. I was supposed to be this big bonsai tree, but I remember from my past that if I'm a little bonsai tree, that'll fit in better, right? So I become a a bonsai tree. I become, I become a bonsai tree. So in order to grow our branches, right, in order to become our true self, to grow ourselves, to make our bonsai tree bigger, what we have to do is we have to do our emotional inventory, okay? And if you get this book downloaded, I really think it's a, it'd behoove of you to... Do this emotional sobriety inventory form. I will, again, it's linked on my podcast webpage, but there's an inventory form and you can do it in the same way that you did your four step. So you have your upsetting event, right? Your unhealthy dependency, your unreasonable expectation, claim or demand, your reaction. And in order to stay centered, I need to realize that. Okay. So it's going to be just like your four step. You're going to go ahead and you are going to look at your upsetting event and what unhealthy dependency and unreasonable expectation it created for you. Okay. I do suggest doing this with a sponsor. Say, hey, 
I um, would like to do some emotional inventory with you. I think I'm going to do this with my sponsees moving forward. I think this is a great idea. If you don't want to, I think it's just really important for you to take a look at this yourself, right? And just know what your emotional issues are. If you have a therapist, you can talk about it with them. I do definitely suggest discussing it with someone that you trust just so you get a little feedback and a little understanding because this can be in a really overwhelming process just like your fourth step was. So once we're able to do this, once we remove our rules, which are the rules were that we our emotional dependency on others and circumstances, you know, that was that was a big rule. We have to have emotional dependency on others and on our circumstances. So once we remove those from our lives, we'll be able to see who we are, the bonsai that we're supposed to be. Bill wrote in his letter, How shall our unconscious, from which so many of our fears, compulsions, and phony aspirations still stream, he brought into line with what we actually believe, know, and want. How to convince our dumb, raging, hidden Mr. Hyde becomes our main task. Isn't that crazy? Do you guys realize that that's what I was doing? For years, right? For years, probably not just during that time when I met my friends. Probably for years, I was so afraid to be myself that even my husband probably doesn't know who I am. I think my best friend does because she's seen me through like all of it. She and I met in November of 2009. So she knew, she knew me when I was using actually probably my sister. She probably knows, which she used to know me really well. Um, we just are busy. We don't talk every day. Nothing but love there. So I came face to face with Mr. Hyde last year. Like Dr. Jekyll was a good guy. You guys know that, right? Dr. Jekyll was the good guy. Mr. Hyde was... Man, Mr. Hyde was crazy. Good movie, though. Really good movie. I love older movies, don't you? Older cinematic movies? They're the best. So, once we become Mr. Hyde, it's really hard to want to let him go, right? It's really hard to want to let our bonsai branches grow. I was so afraid of losing those three friends that I allowed myself to stay Mr. Hyde and let Dr. Jekyll out every now and then and keep my bonsai trimmed pretty. It's not that I didn't want them to know who I was. I just wanted their friendship more than I wanted to be myself. Man, and I could feel that. I absolutely could feel that. So, you know, the big book does say some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. You realize that's not just with drinking, right? You do realize that has to do with our emotions as well. Think of all the old ideas that you used to have, right? What are some of the old ideas that you used to have? I know I discussed this as well. Think about it. Take two seconds. What are some old ideas that you used to have? An old idea that I used to have was perfectionism. I had to be perfect for everybody and everything. When I submit my articles, I get so mad at my editor because I'm like, dude, I know what I'm saying. But my editor is like, dude, I've been doing this longer than you. And he's usually right. Nah, he's he's always right. I will argue with him now. The more that I find my voice, I'm able to sit in there and be like, no, I'm going to keep this because this is how I feel. And I think this is a good point for the article. But I've let go of perfectionism, really, because perfectionism is what kept me sick. What's another old idea that you have? Fitting the mold? Don't have to fit a mold, you guys. You really don't. I am the craziest son of a bitch. 
ever. I like baseball and Disney. I uh, could watch crime shows and animal shows. I dance by myself in the kitchen. I sing. I was at Starbucks the other day and the song from Frozen was on Let It Go. Yeah, totally belted that out in Starbucks while they were making coffee. Didn't care. Love that song. Didn't care. I was going to sing it. It was on and I was going to sing it because it's Disney and it's Frozen and Elsa is the shit. So, you know, taking emotional inventory is just as important as your drinking inventory. Okay? You need to get rid of those old ideas. Because in our inventory that we take for drinking, we talk about our ego. And our ego can keep us sick for a very long time. A very long time. You know, egos have a lot to do with perfectionism too. Egos have a lot to do with how we feel on the onset about what we have to do to impress people. Yep, that's what got in my way. My ego, my drive for perfectionism, my childhood trauma. That trauma that where I was mentally when that trauma happened, right? I was 16 when... A lot of the trauma that I'm talking about happened. Um, I did have some as a child, but when I was 16, 16. So I've been 16 for a long time, y'all. You know how when people get older, they're like, I'm 55 years old, but I feel 30. Yeah, I'm 41 and I was acting a fool like I was 16 years old. So that's important, that emotional inventory. And again, it's linked. I'd like you to go read it. So. Stop allowing others to edit your reality is the second thing that Dr. Berger talks about, okay? One thing that I did that I let these friends do to me, they did not do it maliciously, all right? They didn't do it maliciously. But what I allowed them to do was edit my reality, okay? Our emotional dependency pulls for a certain kind of togetherness or connection. It demands that we feel the same and think the same if we feel close to another person, if we are to feel close to another person. Okay, so if we falsely conclude that we aren't together, remember, this is the kind of closeness that emotional fusion, not genuine intimacy. Listen to that. This is the kind of closeness that is emotional fusion, not genuine intimacy. So what it's doing is creating a codependency. I was codependent on these relationships to make me feel worthy of who I was. And why did I need them to make me feel that way? Because I wanted on the onset to have the happiness that they did. And they are not happy people, y'all. They're not. They're not happy people. Mm -mm. They are satisfied. They are doing their best to be happy, achieve their goals, but they're not happy. They're not happy. And um, if I was rigorously honest with myself, I would have seen that. Yep. An emotional fusion, not a genuine intimacy. Right? So that is one of the things that we talk about. Okay, one of the other things that he talks about is stop taking things personally. How many of us do this? It's really hard, right? It's not easy. It's not easy to stop taking things personally, especially when you're emotionally fused to someone or a situation. It's hard to not overthink that situation or think that something has to be said in a certain way or done in a certain way. And then when you do it, you take it personally. With my editor, I actually used to take it personally when he would say things about my writing and now I'm just like oh okay yeah no that makes sense I hear it now 
Um, but I had never been in a position with those friends where I'd taken things personally because we had never fought because we really didn't know each other. It was surface level, right? Surface level. These next two are really important. Own your projections as an act of integrity. Okay, projection, right? The process of displacing one's feelings onto another person, animal, or object, okay? So a bully projects their insecurities onto another person. So what the point is here is that we have our own projections, correct? And then the next smart thing is confronting ourselves for the sake of our integrity. So what we're doing is we are going to have our own projections and we are going to use those as an act of integrity, okay? We are not going to take the falseness and the insensitivity and the issues that we have and project them onto another person what we're going to do is we are going to look at our own integrity we're going to look at our own reasoning and we are going to take those things and those are the things that we are going to project onto other people we are going to project our goodness our welfare our kindness integrity you guys it just means acting behaviorably or honorably when no one is watching okay those are the things that we want to project onto other people is moral integrity. So, you know, when we are looking at our end of the day, when we're looking at our step 10, taking personal inventory and promptly wrong when we or admit when we are wrong, that's part of having that integrity and making sure that we are watching out for our well-being and others' well-being. Another thing he talks about is... Stop pressuring others to change. Instead, pressure yourself to change. That's one thing that I didn't make them change or pressure them to change. I did pressure myself to change, but in the wrong way. So what he's talking about here is we can't change people. Okay, guys? And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That goes for your dating life, your friendship life, your parental life. That goes for everything in your life. You cannot pressure others to change. You yourself can change, okay? But that doesn't mean that we go backwards into changing into something that we're not to please other people, right? Because the next thing he talks about is developing a healthy, pers healthy perspective towards yourself, your feelings, and emotional themes. So if we are trying to change to please other people, we're not going to be doing any of those, right? Also, that's not having integrity. Changing to fit in is not integrity. If people don't love you for who you are, if you don't love yourself for who you are, you're going to continue to change for other people and not be able to stand up for yourself and not say, this is who I am. Fuck you. You're going to like it or you're not. And I don't care because how you think of me is none of my business and let it go I know it's easier said than done right I have spent the better part of 30 years trying to make everybody happy that I can and I have recently just been like mm, nope not doing that anymore because I was losing myself I was losing my integrity my integrity has come into question now because now these three friends probably see me as using them which I wasn't. They probably see me as a liar, which I wasn't. They probably see me as deceitful, which I'm not. But to be completely fair from their aspect, that's what it looks like. And that's okay. I, I have to live with that. I don't like living with that. I hate being the bad guy in my own story, but here we are. 
okay? And the only thing that's going to make that change is myself, okay? That's what we're talking about. I can only change myself. I can't change others. I can't go chasing them down the street like in a really bad rom-com and love me. No, no. And if they continue to have a bad idea of who I am or don't want to resolve issues with me or don't want to talk about things, then that's on them, y'all. That's on them because you know what? We did our part. I did my part. I reached out. I said I was sorry. I talked to them individually to the best of my ability and now it's on them. And how they feel about me, what they say about me, that's their integrity. How they act and how they show themselves, that's their integrity. Right? My integrity is I fucked up. I'm sorry. Let's move forward. This will never happen again. My integrity is I should have been honest from the beginning and I wasn't. My motivations were not dishonest, but they probably weren't the best either. Because again, I wanted something that I was owed. I wanted a life that I was thinking I was missing out on. Appreciate what it is. It is what it is. Right? It is what it is and there's nothing you can do to change it. And sometimes that's just the answer, y'all. It is what it is. Okay? There's no sense in going back and beating yourself up, doing the what ifs. That's what our inventory is for. There's no sense in going, if I would have done this differently, that's what your inventory is for. If you are willing to look at these things and go, oh, okay, yeah, totally see where I screwed up. So next time I do this or I'm in this situation, this is how I'm going to act. That's what it's for. It's not for you to sit there and flog yourself. Okay, we're done with that. We're done with that. Comfort yourself when you're hurt or disappointed. Not with drugs or alcohol. Guys, that's what this podcast is for, so you don't do that. So, take a hot bath. Go for a Peloton run or bike ride. Absolutely the hugest fan of a Peloton bike ride. God, I love Peloton. Yeah, comfort yourself when you're hurt or disappointed. I'm whiny. I'm so whiny. Like, (laughs) it's pathetic. I, I'm whiny to certain people in my life because I know I can get away with it. And I think it makes me look cuter. <laughs> I don't look cute pouting though. I'm horrible pouting. Oh God, I've got a horrible pout face. Like it's, it's nothing that would make you want to do anything for me <laughs> at all. But comfort yourself when you're hurt or disappointed. I think at this point, this is where you reach out to your sponsor And you say, hey, this is a situation I'm going through. I need some help. And use your personal compass to guide your life. Use your personal compass. Yeah, to guide your life. Gotta have one of those first before you can guide your life. You can't just pick up somebody else's compass and go, I want that. Because what happened? What happened when I picked up somebody else's compass? I got lost. That wasn't my my compass, y'all. That was her compass. And I don't want that compass. I want my own compass. I want my Sherry compass. Dude, and I picked up my compass, right? <laughs> and my life is the shit right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm really happy. But why am I happy? Because I have integrity. I picked up my own compass. I quit relying on other people emotionally. I quit fusing myself to people in situations. And I found myself. I found myself in my sobriety. In my emotional sobriety, right? So get your own compass. Quit using your neighbors. Your neighbor's a dumbass. Embrace that relationship tensions are fuel for personal growth. Vomit. Yep, all those fights you have with your friends, 
and your husband and your wife and your partner and your spouse and your kid and your boss and everybody else. Those are supposed to happen. Yep. So evidently, when you take off the rose-colored glasses, life isn't like all rainbows and unicorns. Who knew? Yeah, evidently you're supposed to have some kind of tension because if you don't have tension, you're never going to grow and you're never going to learn. But if you avoid that tension, if you avoid those opportunities for growth, you're going to miss out on a lot, you guys. You're going to miss out on a lot. I hate arguing with my best friend and I hate arguing with my spouse, but I am going on 13 years of being friends with one and 10 years of being with the other. You guys, tension is perfect for personal growth. And if you go back to smart thing number three, it says stop taking things personally, your growth will be much better. Your growth will be so much better, right? Because you can stay objective. And the last thing is the problem is not the real problem. No shit. How long into your sobriety did it take you to realize that? How many days old were you when you realized that? How many days sober did you realize that the problem <laughs> was not the real problem? That the alcohol was the symptom? How long? I knew that part right away. I knew that the alcohol was me trying to find the solution to the problem. And then I talked about my problems of my childhood and the sexual assaults I had gone through and my abuse of marriage. And now you know about my affair and being the other woman twice because I'm naive. Was naive. Don't try it again with me, guys. Well, I'm married, so you can try, but I'm not even going to pay attention to you. You know, I... uh I know that the problem isn't my anxiety or my depression. I know that the problem is the trauma that I went through at 16. I know it's the trauma that I went through in my marriage. I know it's the trauma of a man telling me that he loves me and finding out he's still married twice. You know, I know that that's the trauma, right? So knowing that the problem isn't the problem. That's really, really important. It sucks. Man, I really wish someone would have told me when they said you're going to live life on life's terms that they told me it's probably best to really invest in your emotional sobriety. When they say keep coming back, you guys, they mean that shit. They mean it. They mean keep coming back. They mean keep coming back here because if you rest on your laurels and you use this program as an option your life will go into crisis. It will. There is absolutely no way around the fact that your life will go into crisis. I really wish I could say that I saw this coming a mile away, but I really didn't. I wish I could say, ah, you know when people say, everything happens for a reason, or God allowed this to happen, or God gives this to his strongest warriors, like, shut up. Shut up. I, I can't with you people. I can't with you people. But what God does do, what your higher power does do, is allow you opportunities to learn. When you say to God, teach me patience, what does he do? He gives you a reason or an assignment that teaches you patience. When you ask for clarification on a problem, he gives you a situation that allows clarification for that problem, right? So now we have the tools to address those things. We have the tools in the program. We have the tools with our higher power. We have the tools with our sponsor, so when we are in the middle of crisis and our lives are falling apart, 
part around us. Did you guys know that when I talked to my sponsor back in August when this happened, I called her and I was crying. And the first thing she said to me was, well, we don't mess with men in AA. So right away, she was punishing me. I'm like, but, I, but I'm, the, I'm the victim here. No, we don't mess with men in AA. What you doing, girl? What you doing? Stop it. That's your first problem. And she was right. That was my problem. That wasn't the whole reason for the whole problem, but that was the problem. And then she said, let it go. Stop trying to fix it. And what did I do? I thought, okay, I'm going to stop trying to fix it. But what I'm going to do is try and fix it before I stop fixing it. So I didn't listen to my sponsor. And oh my God, things got so much worse. Because I told those girls everything that that guy said about them. And that I was scared of him and that I was afraid that he was going to hurt me or my family. He actually did threaten my husband. (laughs) He actually threatened my husband. He said that if you come after me, I'll ruin your life like I know people. And I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) Mr. Soprano, sure you do. So he threatened my husband's life, threatened my life. So I definitely didn't listen when my sponsor told me to stop because I wanted to fix it, right? I wanted to hang on to whatever small portion I had left of control in that situation. The truth of it is I didn't have any control from the beginning. I just had really shitty ideas. So, yeah, emotional sobriety and growth, it's uh, it's not easy, you guys. It's really not easy. And I really want you to understand how important it is that this is addressed just as much as not drinking I really want the best for you. And I'm not saying that everybody's going to go through a crisis like this in their sobriety. I'm not saying that you're going to be like me and John in this 12 Smart Things book where we've been sober for 10 years and we're still anxious and depressed because we don't understand what emotional sobriety is. But now you do. You can go back and look at some of the things in your life that are tied to those emotional issues. And you can do an inventory and get those cleaned up. You can talk to your sponsor. You can get a therapist. I highly, 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 highly suggest, again, to go to therapy. Because AA is phenomenal. My sponsor is a godsend. But my therapist is amazing. Okay? So therapy. Yeah. This has been a huge topic and I knew that I wouldn't be able to fit it into one single episode. So I'm glad you came back for the second episode because I want you guys to know that while my situation did not resolve in a happy ending, which is a huge disappointment for a Disney fan, but there's no fucking happily ever after. My happily ever after is knowing that I have another day guaranteed in sobriety. Right, I might have lost these three friends forever, but I'm sober today. And now I know what to do next time. I know what to do when this situation arises again. When I have a male reach out to me in sobriety. When I make friends on social media. When I use certain aspects of my being to try and be perfect. Um, when I try and be that small bonsai tree. Right? I know now what to do. And you do too. I really want you to go onto the Hazelden website and I want you to look up the books that are done by Alan Berger. He really has a ton of really, really good ones. Um, He has some on emotional sobriety. He has some on, uh, I think he's got, hold on, let me 
pull this back up. I'm sorry. Um, 12 stupid things that mess up recovery. 12 hidden rewards of making amends. But he's right. <laughs> and 12 more stupid things that mess up recovery. I really suggest that you go and you take care of these or look at these books. I'm going to link them onto the website because I really think that they are important. Okay, I really think that they are something that is going to help you in your sobriety. They are helping me and mine to get a better understanding of how I feel in the situations that I'm in. So, attitude of gratitude. My attitude of gratitude is all of y'all. Oh, I can't say that every week, but can I? Can I say it every week? I can. My attitude of gratitude is y'all. Because you continue to come back week after week and you continue to show up when I'm not sure if you're going to show up again. You know, we're, we're at over 2,000 downloads and I couldn't have done that without you guys. That's crazy. And I'm thankful. So my attitude of gratitude is you guys this week. And I really hope that you have a good rest of your week and weekend and it's awesome. And hopefully... Shortly after you hear this episode, we will have some baseball. For all you baseball fans out there like me, I really love you guys. And I thank you for hanging out with me on this two-week journey. And what's... Oh my... Oh my God, like almost 30 weeks of episodes, you guys. Ah! <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for believing in me and wanting to hear me. And hopefully it's helping you. So... Until next week, fam, be well. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of A Sober Girls Podcast. I hope that today's episode was something that you needed to hear today and can carry with you throughout the week until we get together next week. I really look forward to our time together and sharing my experience, strength, and hope so that you feel less alone and more empowered to keep taking it one day at a time. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and on Instagram at a sober girls pod and on our website at a sober girls podcast.podbean.com. There you can find episode specific content and contact information. You can also hear us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Until next time, fam, be well.